The following podcast contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, September 17th, the Pandemic Friends Edition. I'm Dan Coyce. I'm a writer for Slate. I'm the author of the book, How to Be a Family. I'm the dad of Lyra, who's 15, Harper, who's 13, and we all live in Arlington, Virginia. Hi, I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Karen Feeding Parenting column, host of the Kids Are Asleep Late Night Chat Show, and mom to Naima, who is seven, and we live in Los Angeles, California. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry eight, Oliver six, and Teddy three. And my home is in Navarre, Florida, but I am currently in my closet in my childhood home in Atlanta having evacuated from Hurricane Sally. We're going to get a full hurricane update from Elizabeth during Triumphs and Fails. However, we can say that as of right now, she is not underwater, so that's a great triumph in and of itself. Today on the show, we've got a question about how to handle a grandmother's obvious alcoholism with regards to your kids. We also have a follow-up question from a show we did last November about parents making friends during the pandemic. As always, we'll have triumphs, we'll have fails, we'll have recommendations, We'll have business, we'll have ads, we'll have all the stuff we always have. But let's start with triumphs and fails. Jamila, do you have a triumph or a fail this week? Well, I'll say this week's fail is a recurrent one. I've come to recognize that I obsess over things. Like when I have a new project or something I'm working on, like around the house, I get tunnel vision. And I don't think I realized this about myself. And maybe this is something I'm developing or I've developed as an adult. But as I've mentioned before, we're moving at the end of the month. So I'm getting every room in the place painted. And there's a lot of walls. It's a two-bedroom apartment. It can only be but so big. But there's the way it's set up. There's just a lot of different walls, which leaves space for accent walls and wallpaper. And I have come to realize that I'm spending hours a day looking at wallpaper and paint. It is all I want to do. I spent my whole weekend at Home Depot. I just bought four cans of paint yesterday. That's not nearly all that I need. But I finally was able to commit to two colors that are going to either be the ceiling in my room and the walls to part of my room or for part of the living room. But either way, the challenge, the fail, is that I could have wallpapered and painted this place myself three times by now (laughs) with the amount of time that I've spent on every single wallpaper and paint selling website. I can't help it. Do you enjoy looking at them? I do, but I want it to be done. I just want to make a decision. Because I like enjoy that process of moving, like thinking about the house and how I want it set up. It's almost like the anticipation of it is its own excitement. It is. It's it's part of the, you know, it's one of the best parts. Don't rush through the foreplay, folks. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's okay to like enjoy it because it is fun. I suppose there's no housewarming party that I need to hurry up and get ready for. (laughs) (laughs) That's super interesting about the tunnel vision like that kind of hyper focus is really familiar to anyone who has or who has a kid with adhd the typical symptoms that you always think about are that you have trouble focusing but it also often manifests itself in like this wild super focus on things that really really interest you so many people i know adults and kids with adhd or without who have that ability to like hyper focus 
are really torn about it. Like in some ways it can be so useful. Like when you have, I'm sure that when you were preparing for the kids are asleep, I'm sure it was unbelievably useful to be able to just like for three days, I'm doing nothing but getting super ready for this thing. But then other times you feel like, well, what, I mean, is there are other things in the world managing that I think can be a real challenge for people. Yes. And I do have ADHD and was not diagnosed until adulthood. Naima's dad was diagnosed while I was pregnant and came to me like it was a very dramatic reveal. You know, like I have to tell you something that might impact the baby. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, like of all the things. And then I was diagnosed about a year later. He chose not to medicate and I have. We see the signs in Naima. We're working on a plan for how we can, um, you know, we, we've implemented some stuff already. But it's interesting because, like, you don't get to choose what you're going to laser focus on. So, yes, in theory, right. that would be great if it was, <laughs> okay, I'm doing this show. I've got three days. Let me prepare. But I'm doing wallpaper. <laughs> so you don't know. You don't, like, sometimes it's the right. show and sometimes it's, like, the wallpaper. So it's like, oh, yeah, I got to get to the show. But first, let me finish the wallpaper. With teenagers, sometimes the hyper focus is just on grudges against your parents. And that always makes for a great <laughs> couple of days. I was very good at that. Yeah. Elizabeth, how about you? Triumph or fail? So my triumph is successfully evacuating the family last minute after telling my children that we would never have to evacuate last minute. Moving to Florida, especially Henry, with all his anxiety, it was like so focused on hurricanes. We've lived a lot of places with a lot of different kinds of natural disasters. We've evacuated from fires in Colorado before. But he was so worried about kind of the path of destruction of a hurricane. And I kept saying, like, well, the advantage of a hurricane is you know that it's coming. There's this cone. If we're in the cone, we'll get out. So Sally formed over the weekend and was supposed to go to Louisiana, Navarre was way outside of the cone. In fact, yesterday we did our typical when a tropical storm passes by, I take the kids to the beach and we get to see these like 10 foot waves and walk. It's super cool. We go get snow cones at snowballs and we can watch the waves actually from the beach from across the sound. It's very fun. It's great that you already have a tropical storm tradition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> we've global warming. We've been through many of them <laughs> in our short time here. Yesterday was just like, this tropical storm is coming. We're going to get a bunch of rain. We're totally fine. You know, the kids are totally great. We get home. We're like about to make dinner and the buzzing goes off on all our phones. I don't know if any of you have experienced the like alerts on your phones, but everything's going off. The Alexa's going off that we have now, um, Navarre has now been placed inside the cone of uncertainty, which is anywhere in that cone is where the eye of the storm could come. And with this particular storm, the eye is like huge. It went at that point all the way from Louisiana to past us. And then we watched the storm kind of as the evening went on, like tick just to the east. So the cone was kind of shrinking with Navarre still in the middle. And the problem is if you don't make a decision, you can't get out. Like you can get to a point at which there's just too much rain or too much water. We live on the water side of the highway already today. Like two of the bridges out have been closed due to high winds. And so last night, Jeff, of course, has to make his decision based on military stuff. So I had said, I want to leave. And the problem was, like, now I'm looking at driving through the night in the rain with the kids. We don't really know what the storm's doing. I put the kids, everybody to sleep in our room because we weren't sure. We have a split floor plan. I don't want them, like, across the house. And I just said, like, okay, I'm going to pack the house and, like, in take all the stuff into the car. And then in the morning, I'll make a decision because the Hurricane Center gives us updates of the cone at 5 and 11. So we wake up this morning and things are still ticking east. So the kids get up and I, I got up at four to see the alert because we're on central. 
And so when they got up about 530, it was like, we're leaving, you know, and they're all like, but you said we'd never have to leave in a panic. And we had told them, like, we're thinking about going. And of course, to complicate all this is COVID, like where normally this would have been like uh, people evacuate like to Disney, like we're going to go on a little trip, kids. You know, we would have gone to a national park or it would have been like surprise trip. But instead, we're really limited about where we can go. My parents, of course, were happy to have us up in Atlanta, although the storm's coming here. My sister's actually here because my dad has just had knee surgery. So just kind of this like very complicated decision. The other thing is that Floridians like want to stay like they're like, we're staying through this. And I guess I just have the mindset of like, I have five people to keep alive. Like that is a lot (laughs) if something happens. So we just got in the car this morning very early and drove up to Atlanta, kind of no looking back. It's still raining there a ton. There was so much standing water the Soundside parks are all covered with water. So I feel good that we're just kind of like out of the way. We're one less thing to worry about or cause trouble. And the kids were just like, the minute I just said, like, we have to go, we're totally fine. Our house is probably fine. But as we're pulling away from the house, Oliver's like, goodbye, house. It was so nice of you to house us. <laughs> like, and I was like, well, hopefully we'll see it again. And of course, I asked them all to like gather a couple things. You know, we have had the talk like when we leave our house, it's possible that we could come back and the things things wouldn't be here. Um, but we hope that's not the case. And they we have like an emergency binder, all that kind of stuff. They grabbed like all of their stuffed animals. So we pulled up to my parents and just like stuffed animal after stuffed animal Aww. getting out of the house. Cause this morning I just was like, if it fits in the van, sure. So anyway, we're safe here for now. We're hoping um, it's just kind of a major rain event, but I think more than likely it'll be like a couple days without power and possibly getting cut off from the city. And with three little kids, it's just like, if you have an emergency, you know, somebody falls or somebody, has some kind of problem, you've taken a small problem and made it a huge problem. So I'm glad we're out of the way for now, not going to be part of the problem. Happy to take the ego bus that I did not stay for, you know, not even a hurricane or whatever that means. I mean, whatever. Anyone who gives you hassle for that is being a jerk, obviously. (laughs) Um, I'm looking at the Navarre, Florida precipitation predictions for today on Weather Underground. And it's really great. It's like, for this half an hour, they predict 0.07 inches. For this half an hour, they predict 0.07 inches. For this two-hour period, they predict 3.3 inches of wow. rain. <laughs> we were supposed to get like up to 20 inches yeah. in a five-foot storm surge, which had already like overtaken. If you look up like Pensacola, the beach is just completely already taken up. The Navarre Beach webcam is awesome. You can see the 10-foot waves hitting the pier. It's amazing. Uh-huh. So, But I'm glad to not be part of that. <laughs> Good work. Great triumph. I'm going to deliver a response to last week's fail. We recorded last week right after the first day of school, which would have been a total disaster. And the response is that the the past few days, online school has gone pretty okay. They both, I think, still wish that they were in school and not doing it on laptops. But the technology has been working on both of their computers. The assignments that they're doing seem worthwhile. The teachers are obviously working incredibly hard to keep them engaged during class and to come up with good work for them to do during the asynchronous time. They're measuring well how much the work needs to be. The goal, I think, for this remote learning time was just not to have that much out-of-school homework, and they're doing a good job with that. Even PE is going well. I looked in Harper's room this morning, and she was on the floor doing push-ups, and all the kids on the screen were also all doing push-ups. They were all doing the presidential physical fitness (laughs) test. 
<laughs> so that cracked me up. That still exists. Yeah. The, oh, every year they do it. They have replaced some items with other is items. Is the sit and reach still there? Does anyone remember? I believe the sit and reach is still a thing. Yes. They don't have pull-ups anymore like they did when I was a kid. Pull-ups are we no longer uh, prized. I mean, I am glad they're gone because every year I averaged 0. 0.5 pull-ups <laughs> in the presidential physical fitness test. You know, I complain about schools a lot on this podcast, so it's definitely worth sending a shout out when things are going well. And when the teachers are clearly working their balls off to make this as good as they possibly can. And my kids are doing a good job. So I think that's a triumph all around. I mean, not my triumph. I didn't do shit. But everyone else had a huge triumph. Great job. Everyone else. All right. Before we move on, let's talk some business. Tune in tonight, Thursday, September 17th, to Jamila's Slate live show, The Kids Are Asleep. She'll be joined by progressive political strategist Kiara Pisante Houghton. It'll be a lot of fun. Don't miss it. They're going to talk the election. They're going to talk parenting during an election, parenting during our current hellscape, everything. Tune in at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We'll have links to Slate's YouTube or Facebook page in our show notes. You can also find previous episodes of The Kids Are Asleep on Slate's YouTube page. It's an amazing show. Jamila is a natural talk show host. Watch her now before Fox snaps her up and gives her Joan Rivers old slot. To keep up with all of Slate's parenting content and all of our parenting shows, sign up for the Slate Parenting Newsletter. It's a personal email from my keyboard to your inbox every single week. Last week, I sent a very important message about the classic cinematic achievement, Top Secret. Plus, it's the best place to be notified about Ask a Teacher, Karen Feeding, The Kids Are Asleep, and yes, every new episode of Mom and Dad Are Fighting. So sign up at slate.com slash parenting email for the Slate Parenting Newsletter. And if you're looking for even more parenting advice, you can join our parenting group on Facebook. It's very active, full of very helpful and nice people. And if you aren't helpful or nice, we kick you out. So just search for Slate Parenting on Facebook. You'll find a lot there. And Slate Plus will be talking about mom shaming. It's happening in parenting groups everywhere, not ours, of course. But everywhere that people are talking about how families are dealing with the pandemic and the new school year, moms are getting shamed. Here's a quick sneak peek of what you'll hear if you are a member of Slate Plus. And instead now, I have had to say, like, well, we can't hang out with you. And it takes a lot of effort to then make that not be, but I judge you for your choice, because we are making different choices. To hear segments like that and to get ad-free podcasts, sign up for Slate Plus. It's just $35 for your first year. It's a great way to support all your favorite Slate podcasts, and you won't hit a paywall on the site. So you can keep up with all of our journalism. So if you want to support mom and dad are fighting, join Slate Plus. It's the best way to support what we do. Slate.com slash mom and dad plus and join Slate Plus today. All right, back to the show. Time for our first listener question. As always, it's being read by Shasha Leonard. Dear mom and dad are fighting. Please help. I have a fairly good relationship with my mom and my four and a half year old has a great one with her as well. That is, in the limited capacity that my husband and I allow. My mom has helped us with childcare since my daughter was an infant and watches her a few afternoons a month. They have a blast together, and my daughter enjoys the days that they have. The issue is that my mom is an alcoholic. Before my daughter was born, my husband and I talked to her and my dad about it. We said that we wanted my mom to be a part of our child's life, but that there would be times where she wouldn't be able to watch her. For example, due to my mom's addiction, neither one of us will talk to her after 5 p.m. as she is likely drunk or on her way. This is a daily occurrence. 
that she almost never alters. My mom has only watched her during the day, and we clearly told her that under no circumstances is she to have a drink while she's watching our child. Everything has been good thus far. Since my dad has retired, my parents plan on traveling and would like to take my daughter and my oldest niece with them on a road trip for a week or so. My husband and I are adamantly against this. I do not feel that my mom would be able to go over a week without drinking. This is further complicated as my daughter does spend the night with my in-laws on a monthly basis. She has her own room there and has stayed with them for up to a week when my husband and I have gone out of town. The question is, how do we talk to my daughter about why she is unable to spend the night with my parents or go with them on a trip when she eventually asks? I would like for my daughter to maintain the good relationship that she has with my mom, but I don't want to expose her to my mom's drinking problem. Also, I feel that I will have to explain to my mom and dad that we would prefer for them to not mention this idea in front of my daughter again. How should we raise this with them? I do love my mom a lot, but realize that I cannot communicate with her well when it comes to this issue. I've tried in the past, and it has not gone well. My mom did seek help and attended a rehab facility not long before my daughter was born, but has since returned to her addiction. This is a very hard subject for me, as I have realized I cannot change her, and will likely never be able to, no matter what I say. No, you you don't send your child on this trip. You are aware of this issue that your mother has. You and your husband have spoke to her. You've spoken to your father. You have made it so that she is still a part of your child's life and everything has gone fine. But you know that outside of the ability of you and your husband to monitor her, you don't know what's going to happen with your mother and drinking. And you say that you don't talk to her after 5 p.m. on a regular day. So if they're taking a road trip, right, if they're doing something, you know, that's essentially a social activity or for fun, it stands to reason that they're probably going to be stopping at restaurants or relaxing in the evening in front of the TV and your mother is going to be indulging. If there had never been a conversation about this and this was the moment in which you had to finally confront this problem with your mother, I think this would be a lot more challenging. And I do anticipate that this will be challenging and I'm sorry that you're going to have to have this conversation with your mother, but I think you already know what is the right thing to do here. And the fact that your in-laws are able to do overnight stays with your child has nothing to do with your mother's ability to be trusted to be of sober mind and thought while she is a caregiver for your child. Yeah, I totally agree, Jamila, that it's completely okay to have different boundaries for different sets of parents. And I thought a little bit about how to talk to your daughter about this because she is young, but I think because it's part of your family dynamic that you do need to at least start introducing the concept of like your mother being an alcoholic and explaining, I think, in a very gentle way what that means and sort of saying, you know, that it's a disease and that she's unwell but that she's not a bad person. And I think kids so often take their cues on how to treat people from us. So as long as your behavior towards your mother is still kind, it is okay to say, like, you get to spend this time with her, but we also have these boundaries because she is unwell. 
I think the groundwork needs to be laid. And there is a way to do that again by still saying we love her and we get to hang out with her. And these are the ways in which we can have a positive relationship with her just by modeling that, right? Like your four-year-old trusts you in a lot of ways to make those decisions. But I just always think that as they get older and ask more questions, I want to have had the groundwork laid. And I think there will be more questions. Like talking about alcohol, particularly when there's abuse in the family, I think is really important. So even though it's uncomfortable, I think you can have these conversations with your daughter and have them frequently, but in a way that is not like a lecture on drinking and that is more about just like your relationship with your mom and why there are these boundaries. And again, not in like a luxury way, just in, again, expressing that she's unwell, expressing that she suffers from alcoholism, and, you know, we can have these positive experiences, but she's not in a place where you can stay overnight with her. And, you know, your in-laws are in a place where you can stay overnight. I think it's okay. Like, we set boundaries like that for your kids all the time, and you don't necessarily tell them, like, why they can go play with this friend, but they can't necessarily play with this friend, or you go to this friend's house. Like, to me, this is no different than that. We make decisions based on our children's safety. We try to explain to them in a very minimal way that they can understand, especially at this age. But I don't think it needs to be this huge conversation. This is interesting. I don't know that I would dive right into the alcoholism conversation with a four and a half year old quite yet for a couple of reasons. And I agree with you that in general, transparency, you know, with age appropriate levels of explanation are often the way to go. But there's a couple of things that give me a like slight pause and it may be at the end that I, that I come around or that you listener will come around to the idea that that in fact is what you should do right now. The first thing I notice is that the kid hasn't asked anything about this yet. The mom is worried that the kid will ask something because her mom is starting to make noise about wanting to do things that under no circumstances she is going to allow her daughter to do with her mom, correctly so, as Jamila and Elizabeth have noted. But the kid isn't asking about it yet. I think it's pretty likely that for at least the next year or two, if no one is bringing up the disparity in staying overnight at one grandparent's house and not staying overnight at the other grandparent's house, I just don't think the daughter is ever going to ask about it. And that isn't necessarily a reason to avoid the truth, but the other thing that I'm not clear on yet is how is grandma going to respond or react if her alcoholism becomes a topic of conversation between this mom and her daughter? And now that can't always be what drives your decisions, but this is clearly a really charged issue in this family. And there's no way that you could bring this up to a four and a half year old and have her not the next time she sees her grandmother say basically, oh, mom and I talked about your disease where you drink and it makes it so that I can't stay over at night. And I could definitely see a scenario in which that would blow up into like a family relationship ending disaster. So before you have this conversation with your child, which it may be that you decide now is the time you want to have it, it's at least worth thinking through what the ramifications of that will be in your relationship with your mom. You say that it has been very, very hard for you to talk about this with your mom, and I believe it. I, I have alcoholics in my family who I'm very, very close to, and it's always been hard to talk through these things for me as well. And 
I worry that doing this, what your mother will view as a kind of end run around her might cause things to blow up if you haven't done the kind of very difficult groundwork that you might need to do. And that groundwork has to do with that conversation that you acknowledge you're going to have to have with your mom and dad about how they're like floating these things that they want to do with their granddaughter that they already know from your conversations with them that you can't allow. And in a case like that, I really want to know what you two think. I feel like you have to really lay down the law. Like you have to make it clear that this is the way it is. And you don't want to have to be having like a disappointed, angry, upset four and a half year old who's having the things she can't do called attention to her all the time. And if you ask these grandparents to not be floating this stuff with her, they've got to abide by that. But what do you guys think about that? Well, Dan, I kind of see the fight as coming because I think that's why I thought like they're going to fight about this trip or Mm -hmm. offering this. But I agree that if like the conversation has to be had with your parents to say you have to stop asking this because we're going to say no and it's not fair to our child. Right. Right. Like when the child comes running back saying, I want to do this, I'm going to have to explain this. And that conversation has to be had. I just think there's like they've been existing in this lovely little moment and bubble where this works. And that is just barely, just barely. barely, And it's coming to an end. And so I think you need to be prepared to have all of these discussions at once. Yeah. Um, But I would maybe have the fight with mom first. Sure. Yeah. 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 I kind of took that to be what Elizabeth meant that this is coming. Mm -hmm. And so it is better to be prepared for, the inevitability of having to explain to your child because it is possible even in this within this year you know like my daughter took notes like she was very clear on how her interactions with one set of grandparents was different from you know another why do i spend you know why do we go to chicago more often than we go here why do i see this person more than i see that person it's especially if there's any sort of tension or trust me like if this is an issue that has impacted your family to the point where you won't call your mother after five o'clock in the evening, which is pretty early, there's a good chance that your child has picked up on something, Mm -hmm. you know, that there's some hint that something's not right between her grandmother and you all. So I, again, I agree with Dan, of course, like you're not front loading this information or just volunteering it before the the kid asks or before something has come up, but you have to be prepared for how you discuss these things. I hope perhaps that because this trip maybe it's a big deal maybe it's something that means a lot to your parents something they really want to do you know i'm curious if they're anticipating a yes if they're asking almost as a formality because they know that you're going to say no but i i hope for you all that hearing you know perhaps yet again that you're not willing to allow your child to do this with them or that there's something that is going to be denied your mother because of her drinking that this can be the beginning of a wake-up moment and hopefully put your family on the path toward um, some real healing and treatment for your mother. Yeah, I don't think that you should use access to your child as a cudgel, but I don't think you should underestimate the possible power of access to your child as an incentive. This is a natural consequence. Like We talk a lot about teaching our kids with natural consequences. Like The same thing applies here. I was thinking too, like, is there some way to keep the relationship with your mom that you can come up with something else to offer in place of the trip? And I don't know what that would look like for you, but can you all go 
do an overnight or do some kind of camping trip in which you're also there, you're doing something together during the day, but you have separate activities at night. Like I think that a lot of times when you're offering a no in these situations that you think are going to blow up, if you can come up with a yes to give, like we're uncomfortable with this, but I was thinking that maybe we could do this so you could have your time. Like, I don't know what that would look like because I don't know what the parameters of, you know, it sounds like anything in the evening or anything with a drink, but maybe a, you know, can you do a one night in which you are in control of your daughter or you're there? I don't know. But I think being able to offer that and have something available when you do have to have this conversation with your mom can lessen the blow and maybe lessen like the hurt that she's going to feel. That's a really fucking good idea. And I would add to that that especially if it's a trip with like maybe just a one night overnight or two night overnight with you and maybe your husband and the kids and your mom and your dad. And if that goes really well, I think that's a further incentive for your mom to see this is the kind of shit you are missing out on Yeah, because of what is going on with you right now. Did either of you think it was really weird that we didn't hear anything about what her dad thinks about all this? I was literally just going to say, where's dad (laughs) on this? Like, what does he do while she's, I mean, like, is he just the old school dad who's not going to really do much with the kids anyway? Because I'm like, there's a whole other adult that's in the picture who's not being discussed. It's also possible the relationship has grown such that he's like an enabler, you know, like he's a silent enabler. But I agree. I'm like, your dad should definitely be a part of this conversation. And I know a lot of times, like for me, when having to deal with one member of our extended family, the other, like their partner can often be a valuable tool to like give them a heads up. This is the conversation we need to have. How can we do this in a way that doesn't hurt her or that hurts her the least or that gets our point across, right? So I don't know if that's available to you, but yeah, I also thought like, okay, so does he, he's just like, okay, cool. There's a sibling in the picture too, right? Because there's a niece who wants, who's being invited on these trips. Yeah. And I want to know what that sibling thinks and if that sibling is setting the same rules that you are. And if not, that's a whole other issue. But in general, I think we all are in agreement that you have to have a conversation with your mom and your dad. And I think that conversation maybe is going to be bigger and tougher than just please stop saying these things in front of our daughter. It's really hard to have the bigger conversation that you need to have. But I think we all would really urge you to do that. All right. Well, good luck, letter writer, to you and your family. We would love to hear a follow-up if you're comfortable sending us a note about how things are going and what these conversations look like when they happened. Hey, if you're listening to us and thinking, you know what, these people might have a solution to my problem, or at least I want to hear them argue about it, send your problem our way. Email us at slate.com. We need questions to do this show. We really would love to help you if you send us your question. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget. 
giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, let's move on to our second question. Once again, it's being read by the inimitable Shasha Leonard. Hey, Mom and Dad. I stumbled onto a past episode with a wonderful segment in response to a listener letter about how to meet other parents and make friends. It was a phenomenal list of recommendations and included some reminders that I really needed to hear right now. But it was from last November, pre-COVID. Could you talk through how to meet parent friends in this crazy COVID world? It's so hard. One, we can't see anyone's faces in public. Two, so many casual public gathering places like playgrounds are closed or may not be safe. And three... Approaching people in public is actually a physically threatening activity. We have active and social twin boys, age two and a half, who were really just starting to get out into the world when COVID hit and we were sequestered at home. We also don't have a lot of existing friends with kids our age in our social circle. While we're very lucky that the kids have been able to start attending a preschool this fall, parents aren't allowed to congregate there and pick up drop-off is a heavily facilitated health screening activity. Please don't get me wrong, I'm grateful for these essential health and safety precautions, but I'm desperately aching for some social connection in the parenting world. Thank you all. So I actually think my advice is very similar to the advice I gave pre-pandemic, which is... We'll just rerun that whole segment. Just rerun. Go back and listen to that segment. <laughs> you have to be bold. Like, you need friends. You are going to have to put in the work and put yourself out there. And you don't need a perfect match. You need some starter friends. And that's okay. So you don't have to find your perfect bestie. You need someone that you can text and say, my child is doing this or what's going on in school or this homework is terrible. You need someone who will, you know, meet you out at a park or go for a walk on a headset. Like whatever the social distancing getting together looks like, that's what you need. Just someone that is like... There are plenty of friends in your life that you make that are good enough friends. I like to call those friends of the road. Like, they're not going to be around forever. But I think going out there in this time and saying, like, I need this perfect person is really difficult. And I thought of a couple ways that you could maybe go about this. The first is to lean on your old friends. Like, if nothing else right now, technology has really made it accessible to lean on some of your old friends. So setting up phone dates with them, going on walks when you're on the phone with them. I know this has been a moment for me to be able to reconnect with a lot of the friends we've made in a lot of places because I'm just not seeing my kind of casual acquaintances here. I'm not calling up those people that I just met at homeschool things and kind of checked my you know boxes pre-pandemic. So instead, I'm texting with old friends, having phone dates and mom's nights online and things with old friends. I think in terms of making new friends, you're at this school, you, I think, really need to ask the teacher for a roster, see if there's a Facebook group. If there isn't these, ask for them and put them together. And that's what I'm talking about being bold. You're not the only one that needs these friends. So get that kind of group together, get the email addresses and suggest that you have a game night of these parents. And if only one other person shows up, that's okay. You're only looking for one or two people. 
the other suggestion is that if you can meet one person and then have them, you know, bring someone else to a game night online or to a socially distanced, you know, moms only picnic or whatever you want to do, then that will expand, you know, your group and who you know. Those are kind of my starter tips. Did you guys have some suggestions as well? This is something that I'm struggling with too. I'm still relatively new in town and didn't really get a chance to connect with a lot of the folks that I knew in the area before COVID shut everything down. I've made one new friend since I've been here. I've been doing much of what Elizabeth was describing, which is reconnecting with the friends that I had from before I lived here via Zoom and Facebook and having happy hours with my girlfriends that way. And talking to friends from college and folks that I hadn't spoken to. Like one of the best uh, moments that I've had during this time was like an epic, literally, I think folks started at like four o'clock in the afternoon. I didn't get on until five and we stayed on until like two or three in the morning. And it was like a rotating group of folks I went to college with, you know, and we just talked for hours and hours. I hadn't seen some of these people since I was 21 years old. If you have not concentrated any efforts around those sort of connections with people that are not physically in your space who you love to talk to that you should really think about making that a big part of your social outreach at this point only because it is so difficult to meet people face to face and this the life that you have right now is not necessarily the one that you're going to have when you know hopefully the world reopens in a reasonable amount of time so it may be the case that you and this person and like what elizabeth said this doesn't have to be your perfect best friend it could be that you know you connect with somebody from your kids class right now and you all hang out a little bit and when things resume it turns out that you all keep completely opposite schedules and you all aren't really seeing each other too much right you just need them for your bubble right now and that's fine but I think that there is something to be said for connections that already exist, having more to talk about than just small talk, really being able to, you know, speak about how you're feeling about everything that's going on and missing people and, you know, just stuff that can be, I think, a little bit challenging when you're trying to also plant the seeds for a brand new friendship to be emotionally vulnerable or really open up about something or for somebody to open up to you can be kind of different when you don't know each other terribly well. I would also add, you know, there's Meetup and other platforms that are designed for meeting people. I am not going to be the one to advise you to really focus on trying to hang out with people in person, particularly people that you don't know at this point, but that is an option. I also would say look to social distance events that are going on in your community. Like there's a mall in my area that had a movie night last week. There were very limited seats because each family got their own little seating area and it was distance. And so there wasn't a ton of interaction with other people, but you might bump into a family that you know from the school or, you know, a neighbor that you hadn't uh, really had a chance to speak to. And now you're seeing them out on Main Street or whatever. Finally, I would say, internet hangouts, you know, I mean, finding people who have your interest in Facebook parenting groups, you can join the Slate Parenting Group to talk to a whole lot of folks that are going through what you're going through right now. You can connect with folks on Twitter and Instagram. I just think that I would pivot away from how do I establish, you know, our family in this community right now and make our outdoor friends and instead focus on who's going to make us feel okay while we're in the house. And getting the roster for your kid's school and setting up some virtual playdates, I think, is a brilliant idea. I think that's the most important thing right now. I think that all of these various online or distance 
solutions can really help you, the adult, but they're not going to do much for your two and a half year olds. That school needs to be facilitating. And if they're not facilitating, you need to take the initiative. You need to be the parent who's doing that. You know, you have a little bit of an advantage here. I know you don't feel like you have one, but you do, which is that your kids are in this preschool. And so they are already in rooms with kids their age. And so it is not insane to try to organize an outdoor play date. Like there's no additional risk really associated with an outdoor play date with one of those kids. And while that play date is happening, you, the parents, can be out there on headsets or separated with masks or whatever it is that makes you feel comfortable. But that's a real option for you in a way that it isn't necessarily an option for other people who are in tighter bubbles and might be more loath to expand those bubbles at all. Your bubble's already a little bigger, maybe, than you feel comfortable than it being, but that's just the way it is. And so take advantage of that fact. I really like Jamila's idea of finding out what is going on in your community in addition to drive-ins and other things like that. Music Together and other music classes are, a lot of them are doing outdoor classes now, socially distanced outdoor classes. That's a great way to meet parents of kids exactly your age. They'll be six feet away from you, but your kids will be doing similar adorable things and you can yell at them from that distance and get a phone number. I want to push back against one thing in this letter, which is that I honestly think at this point, Striking up a conversation with a person at a music class or a drive-in or wherever, if you're a safe distance away, I don't think at this point that's going to be viewed as a dangerous act. I don't think most people are going to view it that way. I think, in fact, most normal people will be so fucking happy to have anyone new to talk to that I think you might have a better hit rate on just like cold talking to people in fall 2020 than you would have had in fall 2019. I think people just really need friends. You're not the only one who really needs friends. People are desperate for engagement. And so that's why you shouldn't be afraid to be thirsty. As Elizabeth said, you just got to go for it. It means that sometimes there's going to be occasional rejection. That sucks. But honest to God, there has never been a time in American parenting history where people will be more accepting of the idea that someone needs social interaction from them than right now. So strike while the iron's hot and just start talking to people and see how it goes. Even those of us who are like, we're not new in a place or we're not whatever, like everyone's social circle has just shrunk either because of choices that everyone is making has separated people that were otherwise hanging out and together. I know for me, like so much of my social bucket was full of like homeschool things we went to do that aren't happening And so even though I have like a bunch of friends, like I don't see anybody. So having those friends, you know, being able to make them at places where you're doing stuff that's comfortable. And that's why I think, like Dan said, you have this advantage of being at school or finding a socially distanced activity where everyone is there and participating in the same thing. No one is going to think that you talking to them at a thing you both agreed to go to is is wrong. Like they're there for the same reasons. Right. They signed up because they're also desperate. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's that, you know, for as much as these things for kids, like we do them for kids, but we also do them for parents. And I think that can be true if you're in some kind of even online activity asking the teacher, like, can we do some kind of parent meetup or some kind of time for parents? I think you will find that other parents are there. You have to just go after it. You can't wait for someone to talk to you. You're going to have to talk to someone or email someone or, you know, send out a blast email for are there any other parents looking to, you know, get together, either socially distanced in person or online or, you know, organizing something. If it's not being organized, organize it yourself. (laughs) 
Yep. Yep. All right. Thank you, listener. We know you can do it. We know you will find some friends. We know you will find some playmates for those two boys who I assume are driving you up the fucking wall. Let us know how it goes. We want to hear all about it. And listeners, if you want us to help you, send in your question, send in your conundrum, send it to mom and dad at slate.com or post it in the Slate Parenting Facebook channel. We also find stuff there and answer it on the show. All right, let's move on to some recommendations. This is the part of the show where we quote unquote recommend things that we like for you, the listeners. Elizabeth, what are you quote recommending today? So I am recommending a show for little kids on Netflix called Alpha Blocks. And I'm recommending it because we have just, the hurricane and everything, I've needed some like set them in front of the TV and claim it's education time. And this cartoon definitely um, fits that bill. It teaches letter sounds and letter combinations. And I love that they like spell out words. It's really great for building literacy skills. I don't really mind having it on. My kids love it. The early episodes are all individual letter sounds. The later episodes are all like word couplets, like letter couplets that spell words. It's super cute when they form a word. It comes to life. The kids love it. So Alpha Blocks on Netflix. You can set your kids down for a little bit and feel like I just taught them some language arts. Great. Good job. Jamila, what do you have? So I haven't really engaged with anything but wallpaper as of late. Uh, and so I haven't had any of it installed yet. I can't say or hung any of it yet. I can't tell you if what I've selected works well or not. And I think I may have already recommended Society6 in the past. I'm going to recommend it again along with another website. So Society6 is a really cool platform where artists can upload their work and have it printed to various products like home decor items, stationery, so pillows, um, wallpaper, etc, etc. I found some really, really beautiful things that I get lots of compliments on because I send pictures of my stuff to people because nobody's actually been able to come to my house. So society6.com and also Spoonflower, which is same setup. There's some really like I'm so excited about the wallpaper that I've ordered from there. I can't wait to see it. But just all types of really cool things, including fabric. You know, some people make their own wallpaper out of fabric, which is the thing I wanted to do. But the person who's hanging my wallpaper says it's too much work for not enough rewards. So we're not going to get to do that. But they've got bedding. They've got decor items. It's super cool. Um, They've got a spotlight on Black designers right now. So check out Spoonflower.com and Society6, the number six.com. Those are both great recommendations, but I want to back up that Spoonflower recommendation. That is in fact, the site where Alia found the totally amazing, beautiful wallpaper that she bought for our bathroom as the first of her 1,000 crazy quarantine projects. Nice. They have really great patterns there. It's really I nice am site. also a huge fan of Spoonflower for their fabric. I get most of my like quilting fabric and stuff there and stuff for the kids' clothing and things. Because you can get like like design stuff. It's so yeah. cool. Yeah. Very cool. Wow. Spoonflower just got a whole ad for free. Great job, Spoonflower. <laughs> I am going to recommend uh, a show for older kids, maybe even a little older than my kids, but we're watching it with them anyway, which is Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. It is on Netflix. The, uh, all the seasons are on Netflix. Those of you who have not watched this show before, it is a musical comedy about a high-powered attorney who leaves New York and moves to a shitty town in the middle of nowhere, California, like three hours from the beach for no really good reason other than that she met her ex-boyfriend who said he was moving there. It's very, very funny. 
The songs are very, very good. They range from really great parodies of contemporary pop and hip hop to perfect grade A musical theater songs. All of them written by the series' star, as well as Adam Schlesinger, the great songwriter and guitarist for Fountains of Wayne, who passed away earlier this year from COVID. It's a really great show. Very funny. My kids, you know, who are 13 and 15, love it. We have at times been like, oh, maybe maybe this wasn't the, the best choice. You know, it's like when I had not seen the show before, but Ali had seen it and we're generally pretty tolerant about stuff like that. You know, we show them shows with plenty of sex that they just don't watch because they don't want to see that or stuff they don't quite understand. But at one point, Ali was like, oh, yeah, it's totally appropriate. I mean, there's like one song about period sex. And I was like, what? Excuse me? And she goes, it's just a song just about period sex. No problem. I'll just explain to Harper what period sex is if I need to. Hey, I'm still explaining period sex to some of my adult friends. So <laughs> better they find out now. Right. I was like, well, does the song explain it? Then maybe we won't have to explain it. She's like, no, unfortunately, the song doesn't explain it. But the show is hilarious and the music is great. They really love the characters. They're also just starting to come to terms with the idea of a show where actually none of the characters are like redeemed or maybe even redeemable. (laughs) So I guess maybe they'll be ready for Seinfeld in a couple of years. It's been a real hit in our house. And I think that people with teenagers, especially older teenagers, especially ones who love music and or musical theater would really get into the show. It's on Netflix. All right. And that is our show. One more time. Send us a question. Email us at momanddadatslate.com or post it to the Slate Facebook group. Just search for Slate Parenting on Facebook. Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson. For Jamila Lemieux and Elizabeth Newcamp, I'm Dan Coyce. Thanks for listening.